what we just heard are perhaps the most important words other than the words of institution in the upper room that our Lord has uttered. This is the key to heaven. They're called the Beatitudes. And they're quite fascinating. I'd like to share with you what I learned in seminary about the Beatitudes. You know, this is sometimes called what? What's the other name called for this? Sermon on the Mount, right? But it's really not one sermon. It's a summary of all his sermons. That's what makes it so great. Jesus sat. Notice it says, Jesus saw the cross went up the mountain. He sat down. Why is that so significant? We don't even think of these things when we read it. Why? Because when a Jewish rabbi was teaching, teaching officially, he sat down. This is why we say when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, meaning officially, meaning it's infallible, we call it from the chair. Ex cathedra means from the chair. So when the Pope speaks from the chair, he is sitting. We are so tied to the Jewish tradition and Christ. This means he's officially teaching what was given. And that's only happened a few times in human history. So now the heart of Jesus's message is that we can live a happy life in both worlds. We seem to think, and I know I preach a lot about the value of suffering, um, about what we will have to endure. We're disciples, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. He who loses his life for, for my sake will find it. I'm probably the biggest preacher of that. But there comes a time, too, when we have to recognize that Jesus says, and this world, as well as the next, we can be happy. And this is what this is. All right, we can be happy here and in heaven. The word beatitude, what does it mean? What is the word beatitude? It really means happiness, blessedness. Now, this is what's funny, because here Jesus is giving the believer, you know what beatitude means? This is to be your attitude. Be attitude. This is the attitude that you should be. Pure, peacemaker, merciful. These are the attitudes you should be. Be attitudes. But they are a sign sometimes of the contradiction to the world's understanding of happiness, right? You hear me talk all the time. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Like I told you before, I was happy when Michigan beat Ohio State. But that's not true joy. That's just happiness in an earthly, superficial sense. And there's nothing wrong with that. But true joy comes from what Christ just uttered. Poor of spirit, like I said, merciful, peacemakers. They, the world doesn't get this. Thomas Aquinas, this is why he said, no one can live without joy. And this is interesting. This is one of the sentences he said that always struck me. I always wonder why the world struggles so much with lust. We all have it at one time or another. And Thomas Aquinas said a beautiful statement. No one can live without joy. That is why a person deprived 
of God, spiritual joy, goes after cardinal pleasures. You're seeking fulfillment. It's just in a promiscuous way, you're outside of marriage. You're seeking it in the wrong way. Even in marriage, the marital act is a renewal of the covenant given by God. Hey, so let's look at these real quick. Let's go through them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This one's a little confusing because what does that mean to be poor in spirit? All right, the humble or the helpless man who has no earthly resources does what? He puts his trust in God. This is why Jesus told his apostles, don't take anything with you. He wants them to trust, to have nothing, to be poor. But ironically, it is known that the, the, the people, these people or those people with less money often support the church more. I come from St. Michael's in Monroe, and that the, one of the most beautiful churches you ever see was built by the pennies of the German immigrants. They had nothing. They were wretchedly poor. Some of the most beautiful churches in Europe were built during the poorest times, in the United States, during the Depression. We are poor because we don't have anything spiritual to offer God. Without his help, we are nothing. Jesus, you know what's the number one message Jesus gave St. Faustina? The number one theme of all the messages he ever gave her, you know what it was? You're miserable. And Faustina used to say, I know. And I was thinking, boy, if she's miserable, who are we? And what all he meant is without me, you have nothing. And so if we have nothing, we must trust God. And that is the trust that leads to obedience. This is what poor means. We have nothing without God. So if that's the case, we recognize God and we trust him. The kingdom of heaven is ours. All right, next, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why are you blessed if you're sad? Blessed is the man who is sad. Why? What should make you sad? Your sins. And when you're sad from your sins, what do you do? You confess, you're contrite. And so blessed is the man who is desperately sorry or sad for his own sin and repents. That's why he will be comforted, because he will be reconciled back to God. Jesus' very first message was repent, and so was John the Baptist. No man can repent unless he is sorry and sad for his sins. So blessed are they who mourn. Christianity begins with knowing your sense of sin. Just like the one before this, I'm miserable. I'm a sinner. All right, next, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does it mean to be meek? It is not weak. The main idea behind the word meek is strength under control. Weak is not meek. Everybody, they, they, they seem to praise in the world, the rich and the powerful and the aggressive, but in the religious life, we seem to worship those who are almost afraid of themselves. Oh, they're so holy. Or they're so weak, they'll never, ever, ever correct you. Oh, they're so gentle. No. Meek is not weakness. 
Meek is strength under control. And so Jesus was meek, not weak. It is never right to be angry when you are insulted, as Jesus says, uh, blessed are they who insult you and persecute you because of me. That's not the right way to get angry, but it is often right and just to be angry at injustices. Like Jesus did with the money changers. He was justifiably angry at the money changers because they were cheating the people. He was never angry at those who falsely accused him. But he was angry at those who cheated others. So selfish anger is a sin. But selfless anger is justified. And so when we are meek, doesn't mean we are weak or we never get angry. It means it is in control. All right, what about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. All right, even if a man never attains goodness. Okay, listen to this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and goodness. This is where most of us get discouraged and we despair. Lord, I want to be good. I just keep failing. I quit. You know what the key is? That you're trying. Right? And it's, it's, it's funny because when I hear confessions, there's some people come to me regularly for confessions and God bless them. And they get discouraged. And I always say, no. I, if you have to come to me every day, for confession. Sometimes I feel the same way. I'm going to Father Anthony sometimes all the time. If you have to come to me every day for confession, it's okay. I've told you the story before when I was in the confessional in my 20s and I was trying to find God and I was struggling with the world and I sounded like a broken record. And I went in and the priest said, You're a good man. I'm like, Did you hear my confession? <laughs> I am not a good man. And I burst into tears. And he said, I don't even have to know you to know you're a good man. I'm like, Father, again, did you hear my confession? He's like, yes, but you're a good man because you are here. The only time you have to start worrying is when you stop coming. And just like what I said to others who come to me, I got that from that priest who said to me, I don't care if you have to come to me every day. Saints are simply sinners who keep on trying. That blew me away. Saints are simply sinners who keep on trying. Mother Teresa said it's not the number of successes that our Lord looks at. It's the number of times we get up from our failures. And so those who hunger for righteousness and goodness are those who are trying. Even if you never achieve goodness, if you long for it, you are blessed. David, King David, always wished to build the temple of God. He never achieved it. It was denied him, but God said to him, though, you still did well because it was the intent of your heart. That's 1 Kings. So if we can purify our heart and we keep trying, that's what God asks of us. Next, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now that one we could talk all day on. All right. 
Book of James, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. James, that's James 2.13. Uh-oh. It is more than pity. Oh, I really feel bad for you. It actually is taking on their sufferings. Remember, my definition and Father Seraphim's definition of mercy are different, but I think they are the same, and they are both right. You know, mercy is a particular mode of love that when love encounters suffering, it takes action to do something about it. So I kind of see mercy as that reaching out and doing something. Father Seraphim was a little different, but yet the same. He would say mercy is loving the unlovable and forgiving the unforgivable and taking their misery and making it your misery, like a parent does when their child is sick. It donates sympathizing, or denotes sympathizing with the other until you feel what they feel. What's that Kenny Chesney song, Don't Blink? He says, you're there at the bedside as your wife of 50 years is dying and you're praying to God that he takes you instead. That's mercy. All right, mercy is not just a matter of giving alms, donating to the poor, but loving them. As Father Stephen said, loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable. All right, a couple more. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We must, this is the key, I think, to everything. When we do something, even good works, what is your intention? Is it to get recognized? Is it to get honored? Or is it purely with a clean heart? Purity of intention should be in everything we do. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Purity of intention in prayer is really for God's will, not yours. When we pray, do we say, Lord, I need this, I need this, please do this, please do that? Or do we say, your will be done, even if it's not what I want? Fasting, do we fast to, to save souls or to lose weight? Do we give alms to truly unite with the poor or to be recognized? If we do good, we, need, we may not be free from the feeling that men will praise us and admire us. That way you pray for a pure intention of heart. Jesus went on to say that only the pure in heart will see God. Ask God to purify your heart. We're going to be doing that Friday night with the Sacred Heart of Jesus here at 8 p.m. All right, two more. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peace, as Father Seraphim used to teach, is not just an absence of war. Peace is not the passive acceptance on the flip side of unjust things. Like I said earlier, that's the weak. You see an injustice? You see somebody abusing the system or another person or, or, or themselves or, or on the way to sin, cohabitation with the loved one. If your loved one is cohabitating, living in, outside of marriage, taking drugs, promiscuity, pornography, all these things, the weak person doesn't say anything. I, I want to keep peace. Uh-uh. 
Peace is not the acceptance of unjust things because we are afraid of confrontation. Peace comes from facing the issue, dealing with it, and then conquering it with love. Admonish the sinner as a work of mercy. But as we know our faith teaches, it can't be pointing the finger. It has to be taking it into our heart. It is the facing of things and the making of peace even through struggle. World War II is a perfect example. Had the United States said in World War II, which they tried in the beginning, we just want to remain peaceful and let Germany and Japan, the imperialism of Japan and the fascism of Germany take over the world, we wouldn't be here today. This church wouldn't be here today. You would not be watching this worship service today had the United States said that. Instead, the United States had to engage and to face so that peace ultimately could reign. And finally, blessed are those persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Christianity came not to send peace, believe it or not, Jesus tells us. He didn't come to bring peace. Now we do, we want peace in the heart. But he said, the sword of division. This is hard for us to understand. We have to love Christ even more than our family. This is why one of my friends once told me he left Christianity because he couldn't accept it. When it says, unless you hate your mother and your father, you can't be my disciple. And my friend from college said, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not going to be a Catholic anymore. Well, you have to understand it. What does the language mean? You must hate your mother and father to be a disciple. It doesn't mean to despise or disdain. It means to love less. That's how it's used in scripture. So unless you love everyone else less than me, still love them to the most that you can on a natural level, but you got to love God on the supernatural level. And so if you don't, if you're putting other people ahead of God, that's a problem. And if we don't do that, we, if we, I should say, if because we stand up for Christ and his teaching, we will face persecution. All right, today we enjoy the blessing of liberty, at least for now. Keep praying, because so many died ahead of us, seeking the peace and freedom. When you look at the soldiers, when I was at D-Day, I mean, um, Normandy, where D-Day occurred, I was never so humbled in my life looking at the thousands of crosses as I'm standing there as a priest, living in a world freedom, that I could even be there, that I could be preaching the word of God, that I could be wearing a collar because of those dead men in that grave. And so they stood up for the truth. And today, those who are standing up for the truth are being persecuted. No other group is more persecuted than the Christians. Over 100,000 a year are killed for their faith. I look at priests like Father Richard Shabu that is in Nigeria. He's now in the Holy Land. He just texted me yesterday. And right now in the Holy Land, they're even martyring Christians. And Father Richard has been the strongest and bravest facing the persecution for the love of God. And the fruit of what he's doing is converting thousands in Nigeria. You may have heard my story 
12 terrorists broke into his church to blow it up. Then they saw Mary and they saw Joseph, there's, uh, Jesus. There's no question in my mind. They saw it because of the faith of Father Richard. He continued the mass, the bravest man I know. And those 12, the leader of those 12 fell to his knees and he announced Jesus is God and Mary is his mother. And the other 11 terrorists fell to their knees. They followed their leader. And on Christmas of this past year, all 12 of those terrorists entered the Catholic Church. That is blessed are those who are persecuted for Christ and utter horrible things against our faith, yet remain strong for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Pray for Father Richard. He's the perfect example of what a priest should be. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.